0: Welcome everybody to our review discussion of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I am joined, your host, Scott, with the IP headmaster and lord of Irrational Passions, Mr. Alex O'Neill. How's it going, Alex?
1: That's what they call me, lord, lord, Alex, no, no one calls me that, uh, it's going good, I'm ready. Lord Alex of O'Neill. Lord Alex of the family of O'Neill, present. Of
0: House O'Neill
1: uh of neil house uh yeah i'm here i'm excited to talk about bloodstained you and i are the only people who have played bloodstained and it's a very good video game
0: i know which still kind of surprises me mm-hmm. that uh we're the only ones that have enjoyed it so far but there's been a lot of games this year so we yeah can, we can let, them, let it slide this time for a lot now games go around yeah yes but yes, we are talking about Bloodstained, and seeing as we both played it, I got a review code for it to cover it, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but just to start off, there are heavy similarities that have been drawn between this and Koji Igarashi's other game, a little, little title named uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Now, Alex, what's your experience with uh, Symphony of the Night?
1: I've uh, I've played Symphony of the Night. I've never finished it. I have tried many times. I've played, I would say, probably the first two hours of Castlevania Symphony of the Night at least five times. Uh, and I've just never been able to get into it. Uh, I think the furthest I've gotten is when you get, like, the first transformation into some animal. I might be a wolf or something. Yeah, the wolf. Um, And I like it a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. I like the style. I love the absurdity of the voice acting. Uh, I love the the art. Uh, I, I like how it plays. It's a little stiff, but uh, I've just never been able to get through it. And like because of that, I've really never been able to get into any Castlevania game. Uh, so that I was kind of worried going into Bloodstain that like it was going to be that story all over again because they are very similar games. Certainly, I think Bloodstain has oh, yeah. has the edge, in maybe both how modern it is, but in how it reimagines a lot of those kinds of ideas mm-hmm. uh, for for the better and and for a more fun video game. But I, I was worried going into Bloodstain that I would just bounce off of it, uh, just like Symphony of the Night. But I, it took a while. <laughs> I'll say it was probably eight or ten <laughs> hours before I really clicked with me. But I, mm-hmm. I really got into it. I really had a great time with it.
0: Now, was there a particular point in the game that just everything clicked for you then? Like something happened in the story? Or was it like a character you met? Or was it just... Suddenly everything clicked into the place, like the mechanics, this quest, the story, everything like that.
1: I think I think it was everything started to click into place. Like um, there was a point I think it was like the train sequence was probably when when things really got there for me. Uh, And that's like a really cool set piece. That's like that introduces Zangetsu as like a kind of comrade and an ally that you fight alongside. That's really cool. So mm-hmm. it feels like you're, you're not alone for the first time. I think that's the point where you're starting to get enough weapons that you're really settling into whichever one you want to use. So I was kind of figuring out how I, would, mm-hmm. how I was going to actually play the rest of the game. Uh, and also, that's when I started like really getting into grinding loot items and, and getting synthesis materials to make new items. Uh, and like the kind of simplicity of that system and, and how easy and fun and rewarding it was to like, get a bunch of items and go back and get in that loop of, like, get stuff, go back, sell it, or craft it, go back out, adventure, get stuff, come back. Uh, and that loop just starts to you really settle into it, uh, and it's it's very good. Yeah. So, so I think as soon as I was, like, comfortable settling into the loop, and I was starting to see that there was kind of different parts of the game that I hadn't seen yet, even as far into it as I was at that point, uh, and I was still getting new powers and all that, I was like, okay, I'm into this, I'm along for the ride. Uh, I'm I'm really I'm re- this is really starting to click with me. Mm-hmm. Did you have a similar moment, or were you kind of in from the get go?
0: I was really kind of in from the get go. Um, I loved the I was I was one of those players growing up where I got lost, like Super Metroid and Symphony of the Night, things like that. I enjoyed the games, but I always got lost, so I could never finish them. Mm-hmm. And really, I didn't really get into the Castlevania series until probably the Game Boy Advance ones with Circle of the Moon and Harmony of Dissonance and then finally Aria of Sorrow Mm -hmm. where it that the genres I started I was old enough where I could kind of look at things guys were more prevalent online and that's when I really got into the genre and with the initial Kickstarter announcement with this game I was just like oh this 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 looks really good I like the idea the stretch goal of them getting David Hayter to come back and do a character was a huge uh, selling point for me. Um, so I had been following it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is this. I'm I'm excited for this." So jumping in, I was like, "Oh, this this just feels good because there really hasn't been a game like there's been Metroidvanias, I would say, but there hasn't been one that fee like that really captures the f- feel of." symphony of the night and those kind of older castlevania style games like hollow Knight was fantastic dead Soul i really liked um and things like that but they never felt like symphony of the night would like this one did and in, this bloodstain was just an evolution of it that i really enjoyed the characters i thought were much stronger um like i, I just fell in love with uh, miriam i really liked Zengetsu being voiced by David Hater, um, Giebel and Johannes. Uh, um, can I just say Johannes has giant feet? Did you yeah, notice that? Yeah, he
1: does. I totally did notice this.
0: Like when he's running, they're just they're so long. And he's
1: got like just big old clown feet. Yeah, and you only see yeah. it like twice in the game, mm-hmm. but yeah, I did notice. He he just has like an awkward mm-hmm. look about him.
0: Yeah. Um, but no, I love the crafting system. I love, I love the soul mechanic that was brought into the series with Ari of sorrow and seeing that kind of fleshed out and expand upon even more in this one. I loved that kind of collector nature. Mm -hmm. The grinding you mentioned made this, especially later on, just made this a great podcast game. Like I could just kind of farm resources and have something on in the background. It was, it was lovely. It was, it was very, very nice. Yeah. Um, But I think the point where it really, really clicked for me, like I really fell in love, was when I kind of put together the kind of style and build I was going for with this game. Because I pretty much used, from early on through the entire game, the flame cannon you get. Because as you level that up, you fire more fireballs, and each of those do more damage. So it's like, okay, this is really strong, so I'm going to go more intelligence-based. So I... Went with that and specced out and crafted gear to help with that, and then making because I I really like the improvements where you could hotkey and kind of set up um, equipment sets. I really I like that part. So with that, having a like a grinding farming equipment set, and then like a fu- like um, uh, an equipment set for when I'm fighting bosses. That was when I started formulating those plans and those builds is when I really, really fell in love.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think that loop is the core of this game for me. The, the kind of mm-hmm. going, grinding, getting stuff and then coming back to either craft it or, or sell it or whatever, you know, restock your potions. Like, okay, I got to the, the fast travel point uh, in this area. So now finally I can kind of get back, regroup and then start branching off to explore like it's a big part of this game. It's just so gosh dang mm-hmm. big. You know, this game, <laughs> this game's enormous. Oh yeah. Uh, it really is. And I love that. Like it was one of my favorite parts about Hollow Knight was how it felt like a gift that keeps on giving, right? Just just when you think you're getting anywhere near the end, even though it doesn't make any sense narratively, it just like keeps unfurling these new layers and these new areas. Like um I think we might have talked about it before, but like deep in the game there's like this kind of Eastern Japanese inspired area that shows up. Yeah. The ninja
0: world just yeah. out of nowhere. It's just like, Oh, you're like 25 is, hours in the game. It's
1: like, you're in this totally mm-hmm. new place that looks completely different. And then like in the end game, you get to places like uh, the giant world where everybody's really huge uh, and mm-hmm. really small. Uh, so I, I don't know. They, they never failed to introduce something that was like really cool and really, unexpected as far as like traversing the world too and it encourages you also like not not only to to kind of find your build but also to experiment to try out the different uh crystals and shards that you could get from the different monsters how they would help you in certain areas or buff you in the ways that you need uh or if you want to go more magic build or if you want to get more uh physical build uh it it gives you a great kind of sense of gradually exploring and gradually getting stronger and Mm -hmm. gradually getting more and more options uh, and utility in the world
0: i agree it's i loved how varied the environments were Mm -hmm. Um, you really did get a lot of different environments for i think this is all supposed to be in a single castle very castlevania-esque but, like, you have, like, a volcano fireish area, you have an icy area, like you mentioned, you have the ninja area, the, the eastern-themed area, you have the giant area, you have the, the clock tower, you have the secret evil laboratory, you have all these
1: various... Underground caverns.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so varied, and from the enemies you fight there to just the overall aesthetic, I think, nailed it in terms of variety... Um, I love the giant pet heads, like the giant pets you had to fight that were the backer
1: rewards. Oh, that's what they were. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah. That. I yeah. Was, it was, was like very
0: a $1,000 tier or something where you could get uh, your pet in the game. And that's what the, the monsters were.
1: I had absolutely no idea what was happening in those instances. I was like, <laughs> why is there like just a dog face? Like, just the head of a dog, yeah. and then there were multiple dogs, and I was very confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's also like giant cats, you know, just like yeah, those giant are,
0: demon cats. Those
1: are just regular ass enemies. They'll just attack you. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I liked a lot of the enemy designs just in general in the game, mm-hmm. um, from weird backer dogs to to otherwise to like some of the the more hidden enemies, like the shovel knight guy and uh the kind of references to other games this mm-hmm. is super cool
0: i loved how you could get as a rare drop the uh, the shoveled armor which turned you into the shovel knight character it, it, in the the bloodstained version of the the shovel knight um which i thought was really cool i want to try and play through the entire game as shovel knight but i'm not sure it's possible to do yeah. i love that as a mode
1: but. yeah uh, that uh, I I did want to say like I don't think we've talked about it before the um, I like the the progression of the abilities you get I I'm a little iffy mm-hmm. on some of the abilities being mapped to like the kind of crystal powers that you get um, because yeah if if an ability I needed for traversal had to be on one of those buttons I typically wouldn't use any of the other options for that button um, I I just didn't think there was any point um Mm -hmm. so so that was weird so i I didn't experiment as much with some of those magic attacks as as you would normally like that flame cannon one that you get near the beginning i didn't really use because at some point you get like this laser beam that you can travel on like this beam of light Mm -hmm. and that's what i use there for the rest of the game um does that
0: does that shard do damage
1: uh it does a little bit of damage okay if you go through the enemy yeah um okay but I one of the the last abilities in the game, and I don't know if we should even talk about it here, but I, I do really want to talk about it. Um, so I guess if you don't want to know, uh, you could stop here, obviously we've talked a lot about it. It's very good you should play it. but um the ability to kind of flip the world, reverse the world upside down and right side up mm-hmm. uh, is so cool. It's such a yeah, it is such a great power for this kind of game, and I was not expecting it. And it's mm-hmm. also such a great homage to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, obviously. Yeah. Um, but just the way that you can just literally turn any room in this game upside down and explore nooks yeah. and crannies you could never get to before. It's so rad. That's the thing that
0: impressed me most about that shard and the ability is that it it you aren't limited where you can
1: do it. Yes.
0: That you can literally do it anywhere. Yeah, you can
1: even do it outside and then you'll just come back down
0: mm-hmm it was it was very cool there were some speaking in terms of abilities and kind of progression items there were a couple flubs for me
1: yeah for um, me too for sure
0: two really in particular stand out to me one um and I know you and I had discussed this a little previously was the water jet where yep. it's just a random enemy you fight that randomly will drop very the shard hard that find. lets you like if had I not accident or not accidentally but had it just not given me the shard when i was killing those creatures like the first time running through that area i would have had no idea without that was a,
1: some sort of a guide that was actually in the game when i got i did get lost pretty much yeah. like i think i got lost twice and then that, that happens to me a lot in metroidvania so i typically don't mind it it depends on how lost i get or how long i'm lost for mm-hmm. uh this was not yeah very long it's like maybe an hour or two um but i had to look it up i had to look up and say something in the the posts that i looked up like a forum post said like it's an enemy you wouldn't think is important and you have to kill it and it gets you a power that lets you progress i'm like that's dumb yeah that's frustrating yeah but uh, um yeah that's a bad one and the
0: other one that stands out to me as being stupid was the random piece of armor that protects you from spikes
1: oh yeah that is dumb and it's like,
0: I not great because you, ha, you have to like backtrack once you have the ability to flip things back to where you fought, like the two headed dragon. Yeah. Flip the world and you get a treasure chest that looks just like any other treasure chest It's one of the green ones. So it's like a static chest. And then you get the thorn armor or whatever it's called that protects you from thorns that lets you progress. And it's like.
1: What? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. That one was was funky. And it's the only, like, like, item-based one that you have to get, so...
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, like, the entire... Because that's one of the last item, progression items you get. And it's, like, this entire time, 20 or so hours of playing this game, items are just, you know, to make yourself stronger or take less damage, and suddenly you're throwing, oh, yeah, you need this to progress.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. What? It doesn't feel good.
0: No, it didn't. It felt shoehorned in almost. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I feel like that could have easily been. Like have a giant rock monster like a rock golem as like a mini boss. Fight him and then he drops a shard that you can equip that prevents you from taking damage from.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so contrary to how the rest of the game lets you progress and teaches you how you're supposed to progress. I'm with Mm -hmm. you on that. Uh, But like also that's not the end of the game. That's like maybe two thirds, maybe three quarters of the way into the game. And then you don't really need that power again just to kind of get through that one obstacle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you're just kind of not using that item anymore. So it's weird. Yeah. But yeah.
0: But those are the only two that like really stand out to me, but they really stand out to me as being stupid.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, how did you feel about the, the story, the, the kind of new, I like
0: the story. I, I thought the first time I played through, you, I mean, you get to G pretty quickly. I would say maybe five or six hours in. Okay. So I went and fought him and then I got an ending and it's like, and then it game over. It's like, did, did I
1: just lose yeah. by beating the bad guy? It's a very cool, confusing moment. It's very kind of good to ask.
0: Um, I think the nun lady, or uh, spoilers, if you're still listening, you might want to skip for a few minutes, but um, I thought this, the nun lady was a bit too predictable that she was going to be actually bad.
1: Yeah, something off about her from kind of the get-go. Yeah, just how she
0: ra- would randomly appear.
1: And, and how other characters boss areas would talk about her, like yeah, I don't know about her. And you're like, oh, really? Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I guess yeah. I don't know about her either. Yeah. Yeah, I like um, I like Miriam a lot. I like uh, mm-hmm. the way they kind of set up her relationship with uh, Jebel. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm bummed that we don't get, like, more payoff on that, of, like, uh, you know, them kind of getting more time together. But you uh, mm-hmm. get to hear a lot of stories about it, about, like, the, the crystal bearers, like these kids that they put yeah crystals, the shard bearers yeah uh, that they put the crystals into um, so I, I like the kind of history of the world I don't know like coming out of this game where they'll go from here I'm, I'm curious if I imagine in today's society there will always be a sequel to the video game that you're making more than likely um, mm-hmm. so I don't know where they'll go from here if, if they'll still have you place Miriam or if they'll explore other parts of this world um, but I, I like a lot of what they're setting up. I like the the kind yeah. of uh, the world was industrializing, and then wizards were like, "Nah, I don't like this," and then caused like <laughs> hell on <laughs> earth <laughs> to, yeah. to to it's stop like, it oh, from we don't industrializing. Like science. Yeah, seems uh, misguided, but it's a cool backdrop for like a kind of mm-hmm. gothic horror Europe uh, setting. So it's cool.
0: Yeah. I I really enjoyed the story. I like the characters. I'm definitely intrigued about where this this series could take could go. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see in the sequel maybe some evil nefarious faction of al- like disgruntled alchemists like bring back shard bearers of some sort or or who knows? There's always more demons more demons to kill, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> there there will always be more demons. So. Um, I think it's a great start to a new series that I hopefully continues on. Um, I think, I mean, it's been very well received outside of the switch port being a a really shoddy port. Yeah. Not looking so great. Uh, some bugs and things, but they've been working on those. They've, they've patched a lot of those out, but yeah, I think I would, I'd love to see another one. No doubt for sure
1: yeah i would too i think there there's a lot of great ideas here it it shows that like iga's still got it he's like full of creative takes on this this genre still um and i think there's a lot of places they can go from here uh plus they got david hater back like gotta keep this going
0: yeah i mean we still need the uh dlc that lets us play as sanketsu so
1: yeah so it's just hater voice all the time yeah man um did you have any like favorite weapons or favorites uh, uh i rock the
0: whip i i, I rock the whip pretty hard um i had found one of those eight bitcoins coins fairly early on and used that to get the special whip that changed between um light and darkness element so i used that a lot and then eventually i would just kind of upgrade that and get stronger whips but I used whips a lot. That was my my go to weapon. I, uh, what about you?
1: Uh, I experimented a lot, so I, I I used like pretty much every item probably for a little while. But when I got to the ending and I settled into it, and part of it's because like you use one of these weapons to progress the story, uh, but I settled into the katana uh, for sure. The the kind of quarter circle forward combo, like where you do that three times in a row, where you do this. Mm-hmm. inside and then above head slash and it just pops up these huge kanji characters on the screen it's very cool yeah uh and then like there's a bunch of different moves you can do with the sword like forward, back forward and you do like this big slash and like the spinning moon uh attack it's very cool so i i mm-hmm. the katana it, like i liked doing those abilities in combat and it helped spice it up right when i needed it uh and like you get those books telling you how to do them throughout the whole game it's like i mm-hmm. want to use these at some point um yeah so that that was like a rewarding fun especially when on a boss you could pull off some of the special moves it's like hell yeah i did it uh yeah and it was like good it's medium speed so i uh, mm-hmm. yeah it was fun
0: i remember the first time in the first time uh, the first fight with zangatsu i was rocking a katana at the time and i loved parrying his attacks or trying to parry his attacks yeah um i thought that
1: was really cool super cool yeah and like the the different abilities you get really spice things up and it, it's cool that kind of oh, yeah. each weapon has its own little bit of flair if you look for it and you try and master it mm-hmm. yeah it's rad there, there's a lot to this game even if it doesn't seem like it
0: i loved all the nods and uh, Easter eggs to the Castlevania series, like how you have juice day and Richter, uh, NPCs that want quests completed. Mm -hmm. One of the kind of hidden bosses you have to kill is basically a Belmont. It's a Belmont zombie that uses a whip and jumps around and hurls axes and knives and holy water. I thought that was really cool. It's very cool. Um, I loved OD, um, and how he was voiced by Alucard's voice actor from Symphony of the Night and looked exactly like Alucard. His original
1: and, Dracula right there.
0: Yeah, o- but o- he dude. was... See, I was thinking that would be it, but he was he was always Alucard, you know? That's Dracula's
1: yeah. son. Yeah, but Alucard's also Dracula backwards, so like in a way, he is Dracula. Yeah.
0: Not going to lie, that blew my mind the first time I, I realized that.
1: No, it did. It might as well. I was it was a, it was a while ago, but it hit me hard. Yeah, I won't lie to you. Because like,
0: I always thought it was just a really cool name. It is and a really cool like, name. Yeah, it's Dracula
1: backwards. And I was like, holy shit, that makes so much sense. <laughs> Except it doesn't like why would Dracula name his son his name backwards? That doesn't make sense. But well, it, it could is. have
0: been his mom, the human mom. Maybe. Plus, at the end of the day, still a cool name. Still a
1: cool name, Alucard. Cool name.
0: Plus, uh, what's that um, literary term when a like race car where a word spelled the same way frontwards and backwards?
1: Uh, a palindrome.
0: Yeah, I mean Alucard Dracula is a palindrome because I'm Dracula is the last name, right?
1: Uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, Dra- Alucard, Dracula. No, wouldn't it wouldn't be Vladimir. I guess Dra- Dracula is the prime Dracula in Castlevania is Dracula, Dracula.
0: <laughs> like Mario, Mario.
1: Yeah. Alucard, Alucard. Um, that's uh, I, th- I think that's all I got for bloodstains. Dracula, Dracula is all I've got for bloodstains. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would you like to see added to uh, bloodstained?
1: Uh, I, lo- I would love to play as Gebel. Jebel. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Some kind of story with Jebel would be rad. Uh, so I know, there's like a lot of references to Curse of the Moon in this. I don't. I never played Curse of the Moon, but I think Jebel might be in that.
0: It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. I yeah. I, I recommend it.
1: I I don't love old school style Castlevania, so I don't know if it would click with me. But maybe I'll give it a shot.
0: Yeah, I just want. Because I think they're supposed to be adding like multiplayer or something. So I want to see how that goes. And then I just want more. I would love like a DLC or like a new mode that does flip the castle or is something crazy like that. Yeah. I like the boss rush, but I've kind of I'm kind of overpowered for all those difficulties. So it's like, OK, that was cool. Um, I want to play as I get to more characters. Get those in more
1: characters for sure. A randomizer. Yeah, mode it's just, just for you, Scott. That would be awesome. I know, dream come true. So good.
0: They already have a speedrunner mode. Have a randomizer mode.
1: Do it. Do it for Scott.
0: Do it, cowards.
1: Uh, that's it. That's Bloodstain. Play it if you haven't played it. If you already. had
0: to, yeah. If you had to give it a score, what would you give it?
1: Uh, I think uh, last time you asked me about that, um, I would have said a nine. I think I would probably mm-hmm. uh, eight point five to nine range is probably what I would settle on if I was going to score it on the Irrational Passion scale. I think it's great. I, mm-hmm. I ended up really falling for it by the end. Uh, it's one of my favorite games from the year for sure. Will it mm-hmm. still be in my top five by the end of the year? Uh, I hope so. I think it might. Um, it depends. We got a lot of crazy games coming out this year. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's very great. Um, I think it it's gotten me on the hook for a Castlevania-style game in a way I haven't been before, and that's exciting for me.
0: Yeah. I'm right there with you. Originally, like, because my initial playthrough, I encountered some bugs, and I had to... that reset some progress for me, so that was kind of annoying. But looking back and kind of thinking about it and the enjoyment I had about with playing it, I think I would give it a 9, a solid 9. I really enjoyed it. It's definitely one of my games of the year. Whether, like you said, whether it will be in my top five, I don't know. Right now, I would say it's in—it's one of my top five, probably for the fourth or fifth spot. But mm-hmm. uh, really, really enjoyed it. I hope for their sake that they fix the Switch port, because I think it would be a fantastic Switch game, or a, like a portable game. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping it gets patched and made better. Me but, too. Uh, but I I'll, I'll, I still have it. I still love it on my PS4, so. Yeah. But yeah, so well, everybody. That has been Alex and I's discussion on Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. You can find all of our irrational passions goodness over at irrationalpassions.com. You can catch myself and Alex on various podcasts on youtubecom passions In addition to all manner of podcast services, like like what are we on Spotify,
1: Spotify, Google Play, Podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, the works. Some of our shows are also on Stitcher, but not all of them.
0: There you go.